The hosts on MSNBC are baffled. They cannot figure out why is it Biden's approval numbers are rock bottom. They're in the tank, but the economy is thriving. They say that if you look at every key economic indicator, if you look at jobs creation, if you look at the market, then the, 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 the economy is strong. It's booming out of control. Yet voters are angry at Biden. For some reason, voters have this false perception that the economy is not good. Voters are unhappy. They're, they're scratching their heads. All right, so we will get to that coming up. You cannot make this stuff up. The Senate has released the long-awaited immigration bill that we've been hearing about for all these weeks. So we are going to break this down. We will go through the details in this bill point by point. This this bill is a farce. Virtually everything in this bill, Biden can already do as president. He already has these powers, and the proof is that Trump completely shut down the border. He didn't have any kind of special legislation. They didn't. Congress didn't give him. Congress wouldn't go near Trump when it came to immigration, and yet Trump was able to shut it down. So he already has these powers, which begs the question, then, what is the real point here? What is the real purpose of this immigration bill? We will explain that coming up. President Biden has retaliated, has carried out airstrikes against Iranian proxies, not against Iran. These strikes took place in Syria, in Iraq, and, and of course, against the Yemen Houthis. So we will get to that coming up. D.A. Alvin Bragg, the woke D.A. of New York City, Alvin Bragg, he's finally prosecuting criminals. Congratulations and doing his job. So who's he prosecuting? Well, no, 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 not not drug dealers, not drunk drivers, not gang members, not illegals who beat up the police and are caught on video and are literally walking free. They've already escaped New York because they were released without bail. No, no, he's not uh, prosecuting any of those people. But Bragg is charging people who real threats to society, people who purchased fake covid vaccine cards during the pandemic. You cannot make this up. I kid you not. Bragg has prosecuted uh, people who purchased He's doing that this week. Fake covid vaccine cards. These are dangerous threats. And Bragg is going to place them behind bars. I mean, it's it's I don't know any way to any other way to describe it. It really is very, very disturbing. All right. Speaking of New York City, Mayor Eric Adams is giving out free prepaid gift cards to illegals and not just a few bucks. Fifty three million dollars. Mayor Eric Adams, this is reported by The New York Post, is giving out free prepaid credit cards to illegals. Uh, hey, you know, I want a, 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 a prepaid visa card from New York City. How would I get one? Well, I'm in the country legally. So I'm not entitled. They're going to give out $53 million. This is a new program. And by the way, Adam says this is designed to save the taxpayers money. Don't you just love that? This is going to save taxpayers millions of dollars. But I, I can't get this prepaid card because I'm actually a legal citizen of the United States. What if I go to Mexico and I sneak in and I take a bus to New York City and then I claim what would happen if I claim to be illegal? Is there a way that they can prove that I'm in the country legally? How do they prove that? I'm Like, can I ever announce my citizenship and then qualified to get all this free stuff. Somebody just sent me a video of, of, of a migrant being interviewed outside of the Roosevelt Hotel. The Roosevelt Hotel in New York City, that is, has, has become literally a shelter for illegals. That, that whole hotel has been taken over by the city just for, to house illegals, and they're getting these free hotel meals, 
And this person was interviewed, this migrant, and they said, how long have you been here? I've been here for seven months. Oh, did they provide you food? Yeah, they provide me with food. This person is getting this luxurious hotel stay in the heart of New York City because he's in the country illegally. But if you're in the country illegally, sorry, you've got to fend for yourself. And by the way, then Adams wonders. He's handing out $53 million in, in visa cards. And then he wonders that why they don't believe he put up flyers at the southern border in Spanish saying to migrants, don't come to New York City. You won't get free stuff. You're not going to be happy in New York City. He wonders why they're ignoring those flyers. So according to the New York Post, like I said, prepaid credit cards, $53 million. This program is going to begin by giving 500 illegal migrant families credit cards to pay for food. Okay, and it's going to replace the food service that's being offered to them at the Roosevelt Hotel. So and, and by the way, get this. They're telling these illegals, they're giving them these gift cards, these these prepaid visa cards. And they're saying, listen, you have to only spend this money at grocery stores, convenience stores and supermarkets. You're going to want to spend it on liquor. You're going to want to spend it on cigarettes and and on vapes. You can only spend it. And they're using the honor system. You, you cannot make this stuff up. They're making them pledge. This is according to I'm reading New York Post story here. I know it sounds like the Babylon Bee. It's not. They're making them pledge. You've got to promise. And, and they're making them sign. So this is honor system here. If you, you've got to only spend this at grocery stores, convenience stores, and supermarkets. The cards will be refilled every 28 days. Families will sign an affidavit, David, promising. Um, that, those, that, those are the words of the New York Post. Probably that's what it says in the in, in, on the affidavit. I hereby pledge, I hereby promise, you know, cross my heart like I'm really, I really mean it, to spend the credit card funding only on food and baby supplies. I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I have no words. Uh, a family of four could receive up to $1,000 a month, according to the New York Post. And the Adams administration says this pilot program, they're going to give it to a lot more. They're going to give it to thousands of families, but they're starting with 500. He says this will save New York City taxpayers money, $53 million, and that's going to save money. Don't you just love that? No, this is going to save us money. This is a good thing. We're, I know it seems a little bit strange to give out $53 million to illegals and give them these credit cards. And, 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 and we know what they're really going to spend it on. It's not going to be baby food. And, but, 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 but that's saving us money. Like, can we give out, I have an idea. Why stop at $53 million? Let's give out $200 million, $300 million, And then we could save like 10 times as much money. All right, by the way, a, a bombshell new report from Fox News, $340 million in COVID relief funding from the Biden administration was given out to illegals, was was doled out to illegals. They did not qualify. This is unreal. And and, and, and again, I, 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 I wish it were the Babylon Bee. It's not $340 million in COVID relief, in bogus COVID relief, which did not go for COVID relief. It was handed out to illegals. They did not qualify for COVID. Remember, they gave out those COVID relief checks as like a tax credit, tax reimbursement. But because they were illegal, they didn't qualify for classic COVID relief funding checks. So that's OK, because they took money. They funneled money from Biden's American Rescue Act uh, and three hundred and forty million of from that program. And they gave they sent one thousand dollar checks to illegals. That was in the state of Washington. So that is where your covid money went. That money, that covid money went literally to fund illegals not eligible for other covid relief. And that's on top of hundreds of billions of dollars that was lost to fraud. That was lost to China. China went and they you know, came up with all these fake applications and they stole people's identity. 
to get all sorts of COVID relief funding. So there were hundreds of billions of dollars. The COVID relief was the largest scam, the most massive scam in world history. All right, so MSNBC, I'm listening to this clip of MSNBC, and I could not help but laugh. It's comical. I mean, it's sad, but it's comical because the host is saying, he's talking to the, or she's talking to these economic analysts and saying, why are voters so, don't voters realize that the economic indicators are so incredibly strong? The Biden economy is thriving like we've never seen before, and they're baffled. And I don't know if they're living in a bubble. I don't know if they're telling themselves. They almost sound like they really believe there's drivel. So, I don't know. Do they not go to buy eggs? They probably, you know, they probably have no clue. They go, they put their credit card, they don't even check the prices. But they're saying every the economy is booming. Every key economic indicator is so incredibly strong. That's their words, not mine. And yet Biden's poll numbers are in the tank. And when you ask voters, are they happy with the Biden economy? They overwhelmingly are miserable. Don't they read the paper? Don't they read the Wall Street Journal? Don't they look at the key economic indicators? So I'm listening. It's like a comedy sketch because the economic expert, number one, he look. He says he he gets all sheepish and he says, "Well, yes, you're right. I mean, the stock market's up. Biden's creating all these jobs." He says, "I think it's because people they just cannot get past the fact that everything's so expensive, and, and like they, they're just hung up on the fact that everything costs so much money." And he says, and he's hemming and hawing, and he's like trying to like. You know, make it like it's the voters' fault and the voters are so silly that they're, that, that, that they're so troubled by this. But this is, he's like, he's, he's literally stammering away and saying, yeah, voters, they're just so hung up over this. Everything's expensive. Everything's, he's like, and I know inflation is down, but things are still really much more expensive than they were under Trump. That he's like, and that's what voters are just hung up. They're so obsessed over the fact that things are way more expensive than they were under Trump. And he's admitting to it. He's hitting on it. But, and he's, he, and then he goes, and I don't blame Biden for this. I, I, I don't think this is Biden's fault, but he's doing contortions not to blame Biden. He's like, but they blame Biden for some strange reason. These voters, they're not looking at the stock market. They're not looking at all the jobs that were created. They're looking at the fact that a dozen eggs is way more expensive. A gallon of gas is way more expensive than it was under Trump. And yes, I know if you look at all the economic indicators, then we should know better. We realize the economy is really great, but these darn pesky voters, they just don't see it. And I'm I'm sitting there like I literally, I can't get over what I'm hearing. And then he even admitted, he said, says inflation is down, but inflate, he says, but even though inflation is down month to month, it's still way higher. The prices are way higher. In other words, like we keep saying, inflation down just means the rate of inflation. Inflation keeps going up. Prices actually keep going up month to month, but the rate is lower than it was. It's a fake metric. It means nothing because prices, bottom line, infl- and, and the prices never go down and prices are so much higher. As anybody knows, I mean, now that now, now car insurance is going through the roof, etc. You know, so, but, he, but, but and then he keeps saying, but it's not Biden's fault. I don't blame Biden personally, but voters are blaming Biden. Well, who do you blame? Whose fault do you think it is? Putin? I mean, are they still blaming Putin? Are they blaming Trump for the economy being so bad, for, the, for, for, for inflation being out of control? By the way, mortgage rates, mortgage rates and interest rates are through the roof. We haven't seen them this high in like in like 20, 25 years. So like what's Biden's slogan going to be, his campaign slogan? Yes, I know you're miserable, but it's Putin's fault. So vote for Biden. I, you know, and, and then they keep saying these MSNBC folks. We know better. We know the economy is strong, but, 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 you know, but uh, things are really expensive. And yes, inflation is rising less quickly. But somehow these voters, they just they're just so out of touch. These voters, they just don't understand. If only these voters would give them some kind of economic scores. 
and I'm listening and I'm tearing my hair out and they're sitting there in their bubble. Another, then they had talked to another economic analyst and he's talking about perception and he says, well, yeah, any economist can tell that the economy is incredibly strong and moving in the right direction, but the man on the street, this is basically, to paraphrase, he's saying the man on the street has this distorted perception. So it's a perception thing. The economy is really great and those of us who understand the economy, those of us who are educated, these elitist MSNBC uh, reporters and anchors and analysts and and contributors, uh, they they realize, they recognize that the key economic indicators, they're living in a bubble where you look at the key economic indicators, we know how strong the economy is. But these voters, they just have such a distorted perception. Car insurance is 30% higher than it was under Trump. Groceries, milk, bread, gas for your gas tank. You go to the drugstore. I mean, a chocolate bar, a chocolate bar literally... You know, it used to cost a dollar fifty, then a dollar ninety nine, and a chocolate bar is very—it's like three dollars for this little chocolate bar. Mortgage rate seven eight percent. Houses are not going up for sale because people don't want to lose their, their, you know, their lower mortgage rates and have to apply for a new mortgage. Basic expensive things are just—it's just out of control. I mean, so many things that you just you used to spend money on. And just just did not cost that much, but Biden created a lot of jobs and consumer price index, and they start quoting all these economic indicators that really nobody cares about. All right, so Mike Johnson, House Speaker Mike Johnson, give him credit. It came several months too late, but he has uh, scheduled a vote. House Republicans have scheduled a vote on a funding bill for Israel, a standalone funding bill for Israel that will send Israel $17.5 billion unconditionally. It's not tied to Ukraine. It's not tied to the border. And Israel deserves this money. They've deserved this money for months. Everybody's playing politics with it because this money is so precious. Every politician in Washington is using it to try to advance their own agenda, using it as leverage, which is which is disgraceful. So Mike Johnson finally did what he should have done. And, and remember, they passed something similar a while ago, but it was tied into the IRS. So that was politicized because he was taking away funding for the IRS, which we should be taking away money from the IRS. But, but the last thing people need right now is to pay even more money in taxes. But uh, this is going to be standalone. And he, by the way, he's getting flack from conservatives, getting flack from the House Freedom Caucus because they say, how are we going to pay for this? At least if the money comes out of IRS funding, then there's a way to pay for it. And I actually understand both sides of this. Yes, I think do not politicize it. Obviously, politicizing it is a disgrace. But I do like in general and, and, and with Israel funding, it's different. Because it's, you know, you can even justify from, we, we think it's different because of course we think it's different, but even from, from an American standpoint, you can justify Israel, money you send Israel, because ultimately Israel is the policeman in the whole Middle East, and that money, that's like sending money to our own defense department, only it's going to be used much more effectively by Israel than it's used by our military that goes and loses trillions of dollars. But either way, it's a standalone bill. The House Freedom Caucus now is giving him flack and saying, well, you can't send money without finding, you know, some sort of source, finding somewhere else to make the cut. But either way, the House is going to vote $17.6 billion Israel aid package uh, and give Mike Johnson credit and Republicans credit for finally not politicizing this now because you have this whole fight with the <clears throat> the border package <clears throat> and the immigration bill. And, of course, Ukraine and Israel funding is tied into that. Now, it will not pass the Senate. I'm pretty sure that this is not going to pass the Senate because the Senate, they they will not give up the, the incredible amount of leverage that they have with uh, Israel funding. Meanwhile, John Kirby, uh, let's get to this uh, retaliation against Iranian proxy groups. And it's a total fallacy. It's a total logical flaw. Responding to the proxies, striking the proxies and not striking Iran themselves because the proxies are the ones that struck 
the United States and U.S. troops 159 times and counting. That is a fallacy. That's a logical flaw. We should be targeting Iran. And I'm going to explain why in a moment. But John Kirby announced U.S. warplanes struck more than 85 targets at seven facilities utilized by IRGC, the IRGC, the Revolutionary Guard, as well as the militant groups that they sponsor. In other words, the terrorist proxy groups. Three of the facilities were in Iraq. Four of the facilities were in Syria. And Kirby says, quote, these targets were carefully selected to avoid civilian casualties, of course. Now, listen, uh, Biden finally did retaliate. We've been waiting for the retaliation. We knew it would come. I thought that it would be a token retaliation. I don't know. Listen, I'm hoping that this is an effective retaliation. It's really hard to know. 85 targets, it sounds like a lot. But, you know, they have all these weapons storage facilities just, you know, dispersed all over the place over there. So it's really hard to know. The Syrians are claiming that there actually were casualties, not just uh, military or terrorist, militant casualties. That We we know it's they're terrorists. So not just uh, terrorists that were killed. Syrians don't call them that, but we know that's what they are. But Syria is saying that even civilians were killed. The United States is denying it. Syria is always going to say that, so I don't believe that. I'm not even convinced that there were any casualties because Kirby, as far as I could see, the United States did not confirm that there were any sort of casualties on the ground. So I don't believe until we have some sort of verification, the fact that Syria reports casualties, they always prefer, you know, I mean, they always report, I should say, the the, the, the military over there, U.S. military sneezes and or the Israeli military sneezes for sure. And Syria is reporting all sorts of casualties, right? That's what they do. That's propaganda. Doesn't mean much to me. But I'm not convinced. I am willing to bet, and 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 I don't know. Uh, you know, are they reeling over this? I, it strikes me as being, and, and America even conceded, and I'll get to that in a moment. The, the the American government has basically, the Biden administration basically conceded that this was a pretty weak response, and that this is not a, an effective response, and this is not going to be any kind of deterrent. So there's a part of me, again, we don't know the details, but I'm skeptical. And General Jack Keane, who I think is just a, a phenomenal analyst, military analyst, he's an analyst, he, he's always talking about Ukraine, now he's talking about the Middle East on, on Fox News, and obviously a former general. And, uh, you know, he said that this is going to do absolutely nothing in terms of deterring any sort of future attacks by Iran and Iranian proxies. So I'm very, very skeptical until proven otherwise. But but I'm willing to give them credit. Let's see. Maybe this actually does something. But um, I'm willing to bet that the United States tipped off these governments, tipped off Syria and Iraq and told them not only the attack was coming, which they knew, but actually gave them uh, a heads up about the location so that they were able to clear out any kind of terrorists or troops or militants that they had there. I don't believe this is going to deter anything. By the way, there have already been more attacks since these strikes. And here's where the administration itself is conceding that these attacks are not going to be a deterrent because they keep saying this is only the beginning. This is Kirby and a bunch of others. They keep saying, oh, well, this is the beginning. This is just the first strike. We've got more strikes coming. So what 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 are they saying? They're, they're saying we know this is not enough. 159 attacks against our troops, hundreds of soldiers wounded, three soldiers now killed. This is pitifully weak, but it's only the beginning. There's going to be you better watch out. And uh, at least they're finally admitting that uh, the don't strategy, Biden, you know, Biden's strategy to try to deter Iran until now has been don't. That has been the grand sum total of of the Biden military strategy, of the ingenious, brilliant strategy to fend off Iran. Don't. 
you know, and, and when Biden says don't, they just jump. So, uh, the, the, you know, it, it, it's a fa- and now I'll get to it, the fallacy of the proxy attacks in a moment. But, you know, a caller did remind me, I mean, the stark difference, and we'll get to it in a moment. Trump was actually interviewed on Sunday by Maria Bartiromo, and he talked about, you know, his strength. He talked about the way he was able to deter Iran because nothing happened. The, the, there were no, there were virtually no attacks uh, uh, under Trump. And if there ever were attacks on military troops, I mean, the response was so he would use the mother of all bombs, the, you know, Moab, M-O-A-B. And, you know, and, and of course, he assassinated Soleimani. He would assassinate the leadership. He had them so terrified. They were shaking. They were shaking in their boots under Trump. You know, and uh, and the caller reminded me, North Korea. Remember, at one point, there was a threat, and Trump had North Korea. They suspended their nuclear program under Trump. Trump had North Korea. He called uh, Kim Jong-un little rocket man, and people went nut. The media and the Democrats, oh, that's it. Trump has started World War III. Trump is a warmonger. Biden's the warmonger. Monger. Trump is a peacemonger. Okay, Trump under Trump, not, not one war started. First president in the last like seventy years, and, so, you know, and, and the reason is because of strength. If you display strength, if you make them scared, if you make them shake, they respond. They respond to strength. They respect military strength. But Biden and Biden's weakness and Biden's refusal to engage and Biden's aversion to any sort of you know military domination. What does that do? That encourages more attacks. You see it. You see it before your eyes. We said this for four years under Trump, and now it is, it is coming true like we could never imagine with the Red Sea and the Houthis and everything else. So, so And the caller reminded me that uh, you know, in North Korea at one point, they, you know, they tested Trump, North Korea, right, early on, and they threatened Trump. Syria did the same thing. And Trump, he would carry out. He wouldn't just strike a token strike. Trump would carry out these. He'd do a massive, massive strike. You know, they talk about proportion. And and Trump said, I don't, I don't care about proportion. They they strike us. We're going to strike them fifty times as hard. And guess what they did? They stopped striking. They realized, wait a second, this guy's going to kill it. When, when Soleimani was assassinated, remember it was going to be World War Three. The Senate, the Senate, and the and the Congress voted to remove Trump's powers to be able to strike again without congressional permission. You imagine if Trump had to go and ask permission every time he wanted to assassinate a foreign terrorist. Soleimani was the leader of the Iran terrorists, the leader of of of, of, of literally the, the the biggest sponsor of state terror on the planet. And Soleimani was the man in charge. And Trump needs to go and ask permission before he assassinates him. And Trump vetoed that bill, thankfully. But they wanted to literally take the power out of his hands. And that was his biggest, that was the biggest deterrent. And Trump, same thing with North Korea. They threatened. He bombed them to, you know, to smithereens. He, he bombed them into oblivion. And they said, hey, wait a second. Not a good idea. The Iranian regime, when Soleimani was killed, what do you think their response was? They didn't, you think they think to themselves, okay, let's escalate? They said, wait a second. He, 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 who says if he's willing to assassinate Soleimani, he's willing to assassinate anyone. He might assassinate the Ayatollah himself. I don't, the, the last thing the Ayatollah wants is to have a bullseye on his back. They want to remain in power. Now, the fallacy of the proxy thing. Well, let's respond, remember, because they didn't strike Iran. They struck the proxies. We knew that was going to happen. We've been predicting that. And here's the fallacy. The, the, the logic is this. The logic is, well, if, uh, if the Iranian proxies are the ones who attacked the United States, then we should attack the proxies back, but we shouldn't attack the head of the snake. We shouldn't attack Iran. But here's the fallacy. It's, it's not apples to apples. Okay. It's, it's not apples to apples because the, it, it, here's the idea. Where, where did I, uh, I'll have to find this here in my notes. Uh, Iran attacks us with a proxy. We attack back. We, we attack the proxy back. That's not apples to apples. See, it's not like if they attacked a proxy group, if the United States had some sort of proxy group somewhere, 
Uh, okay, if we had Filipinos who were uh, carrying out attacks on our behalf, right? And the Iranians attacked the Filipinos, then you attack back the, the, the Iranian proxy groups. But they attacked U.S. soldiers. It, 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 the, the question should be, who is the victim? I don't care who the hitman is. The Iranians, they use hitman. And that's why the Iranians do it, is because they want to be able to absolve their own responsibility, culpability. But it should go by the victims. It should not go by who the hitman was. It does. I don't care who Iran decided to hire or who, who Iran decided to use in order to go and attack U.S. soldiers. They attacked U.S. soldiers. It's an it's absurd logic. It's, it's like classic government military logic is, well, who did they attack? They attacked U.S. soldiers. Well, who did they use? They, they used proxies. OK, so we're going to attack the proxies. Well, the proxies are the hitman, okay? You have uh, one person hires a hitman to go and kill somebody, okay? And then you want to punish, you want to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. So who do you kill? Do you kill the hitman? Who do you punish? You punish the hitman, you punish the person who hired the hitman. The hitman's just a hitman. And, and you know, for, from a logical standpoint, Iran, they can find another proxy, they can go and do it themselves, or they have the same proxies in place. So if you don't actually target Iran, Iran says, well, we're, we're just going to keep sending out the proxies. But the idea is, you know, we're trying to figure out who our victim should be. So you look at the victim. You don't look at who carried out. The victim is U.S. soldiers. And the person who uh, was behind the attack was Iran. Oh, let's go attack the proxy. The proxy is a middleman. The proxy is irrelevant to the whole conversation. The proxy is just a technicality, technical detail. Whereas now we want to attack. Now you want to use a U.S. proxy to attack Iran. That's fine. That would be apples to apples. But to say, well, they attacked U.S. soldiers, but we're not going to attack back the people who attacked because they happen to use a proxy as a middleman. I don't care. The victims are the United States. The victim was not the proxy. Therefore, when you retaliate, you retaliate against the person behind the attack. To me, that's a no-brainer. All right, so Trump, some very fascinating points Trump made in this interview with, with Maria Bartiromo on, on Fox. He said that, uh, you know, and by the way, Trump was like reminding her. She almost like wasn't remembering because he said a couple of things. Number one, he said that Israel was supposed to be involved, that he was partnering up. It was a joint mission with Israel to assassinate Qasem Soleimani. And then Israel backed out. He said, basically, Netanyahu called him at the last minute and said, like two days before, and said, listen, I'm sorry, I'm under a lot of political pressure or something along those lines. And I'm not able to to, to, to join you in this attack. And so then Trump went to his own military. And this is fascinating. And again, we didn't verify this, but I'm just telling you what Trump himself said. And, you know, I doubt he'd make this kind of thing up. And you know, as far as I'm aware, Netanyahu has not denied this. So Trump went to his own uh, military uh, advisors. He said, well, can we just do this ourselves? And they said, sir, Mr. President, you want to do this yourself? Do it yourself. You know, so and so. But remember, everybody said, oh, this is going to be a huge conflict. This is going to turn into World War Three because Iran's going to retaliate. And, and and what happened? And we knew this at the time, but Bartiromo didn't remember this really. But Trump reminded her. He said Iran actually called up the Trump administration, whoever their contact was, because they don't call Trump directly. And he told them, he said, listen, we, we need to strike, but we're not going to. We're going to specifically avoid. This is astonishing. Because, and we reported this at the time, but Trump confirmed this. They said we're going to deliberately avoid inside the perimeter. We're going to attack where U.S. troops are stationed. But don't move your troops because we are going to specifically and deliberately avoid the perimeter where the troops are stationed. And essentially, it was all choreographed. It was literally all choreographed. We've said this at the time, and now Trump confirmed this, that they needed to attack. They needed to respond. They killed, Trump killed their number one terror leader, Qasem Soleimani. So they needed to have some sort of response just to save face, just for their own people. It was all choreographed. And there was that one response. They said, listen, 
We're telling you right now, we're being very deliberate about our targeting. It's not going to hurt your troops. And they gave him, they tipped him off. They ran cold up, tipped him off and said, we've got to do this. We don't want to do this. We have no choice. But please be aware, you're not going to have any casualties. It's it's not going to be a problem. And it's just amazing. And it's because the Iranians knew, you know, they didn't want, you know, Trump said they didn't, they didn't want me to respond even further. So Iran under Biden, they have no fear. They know that by, with Biden, there is nothing to fear. But with Trump, they were petrified. They were shaking. They were terrified. And it, it, you look at the contrast, the contrast is it's day and night. I mean, it, it, it's light years apart. The, 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 the world we live in now versus the world under Trump. All right, so let's get to the Senate immigration bill. This Senate, this immigration, this bogus immigration bill is about three things. Okay, what are the objectives here for Biden and the Democrats? I don't know, McConnell, McConnell, I think, just wants to be relevant because McConnell has not been relevant since he lost power and since, since Trump left office. So it's about three things. And I'll go through the details. You read the details. It's very clear. But if you, if, if you know what you're looking for, number one, Biden wants to make it official. He wants the, he, he wants the Republicans to own this. He wants the Republicans, Biden wants the, 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 the border to remain open like it is now, because that's what this bill does. This bill says, uh, you, you know, Biden can allow up to 5,000 migrants a day, up to 5,000 illegals a day, according to this bill. That's insane. That's 2 million illegals a year. They want to keep going. And even then, there's no way to enforce that Biden shuts it down, even when it hits 5,000, but, but up to 5,000 a day, it's in the bill. So Biden wants there to be an official stamp of, appro- of approval. Oh, the Republicans own this. People are going to be upset. Look, the illegals flooding into the, uh, even Al Sharpton called it an invasion, by the way. Remember when Trump called it an invasion? The illegals at the border and everyone was living and Trump was a racist. And now, now Al Sharpton's calling it an invasion. He said it. He said it on MSNBC. I heard the clip. But, uh, but, but this bill would then make it official that Biden can say, why are you blaming me for the border? It's in the bill. The Republicans, this is a bipartisan bill. The Republicans gave me permission to allow 4,999 illegals into the country a day. So th- th- that would be an incredible win for Biden, and it would mean he could he could literally keep the open borders policy. They're telling us this immigration bill somehow shuts down the border. Two million a year, 4,999 a day, even if, you know, if Biden does shut it down to 5,000, I don't believe he will. That's insane. Number two, this would allow Biden to process more asylum seekers. They're actually going to grant more. They're going to they're going to process asylum seekers faster and they're going to give them work permits because the issue is right now that's what this bill is really about it's about making them legal faster because right now asylum seekers they're all around the country it's catch and release come back for your hearing in seven years so it's taking forever the problem is that that during then they, they have a stat during that time they have a status of being illegal and they do not get work permits but this bill would actually accelerate and expedite the work permit so this bill is designed to make more illegals in the country get legal faster than they currently are and get work permits. It's unbelievable. It's, it, this is gaslighting. This is the ultimate gaslighting. It's surreal. And number three, this, this, this bill is going to give more money to sanctuary cities. So you read this bill and, 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 and they're telling us it's going to prevent illegals. But the reality is this solves two basic problems for Biden. Two big problems. Number one, he's getting blamed. Okay. The border, everybody's upset about the border. Biden's getting blamed, but this would literally keep virtually all the same policies in place. And it would be bipartisan. Now, hey, what do you want from me? The Republicans agreed to this. Number two, like I said, asylum seekers are waiting for hearings for years and years, and they have a status of being illegal, and they cannot work, and this would make them legal, make them allowed to work, okay? 
here's the main problem with this bill is every fix in this bill Biden already has the authority to do. Okay, so it's really all about just getting the Republicans on board. It would, it would this would officially speed up the adjudication of asylum claims. By the way. They could do that without legislation. They're saying one of the things they're going to do, and I understand they're saying they need money because more money is going to allow. Do you, you know? Do you really believe, it, it, assuming they're going to really speed up the adjudication of asylum claims, which I'm not convinced they will, but it'll be in their best interest because they're going to process them and then keep them in the country. But why can they can they not do that already? Because they're total. The government is totally incompetent. They're saying it's about money. You throw more money at the problem. I don't. I don't believe it's going to solve the problem. But. Um, they, 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 now, as far as giving the president, this bill gives the president the authority to shut down the border if daily crossings average more than 4,000. They're saying if daily crossings hit 5,000, then uh, he's mandatory, mandated to shut it down. But 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 if, if, if at 4,000, he has the authority. He already has that authority. I'll prove it. Trump completely shut down the border. Remember, remain in Mexico. Trump said, you want to wait for your asylum hearing. That's fine. Wait in Mexico. You're not allowed into the United States. You don't need Congress. The border is secured by the executive branch, the executive branch, the president, they have the authority to shut down the border and to decide what the best border policies are. They don't need new legislation for this. Everybody agrees with that. The proposal would clamp down on humanitarian patrol, uh, p- parole. Okay, so they're taking advantage and they're exploiting parole. Will will it be now that that would be a good thing. Will they be? And by the way, the, the Democrats heavily resisted that, but they've eventually caved in on that. So then they wouldn't. Uh, Biden can't use because now they're just paroling everybody. Paroling allows them to stay in the to the country to stay in the country. It's a loophole. I don't believe that they would ever be able to enforce this, but that's what they're saying. It also addresses the flow of fentanyl uh, into the country. Now, fentanyl, of course, is a terrible, terrible drug, which is just having horrible, horrible consequences. So uh, again, Biden could crack down on fentanyl. He's not cracking cracking down on fentanyl. I don't see why this bill would help. The fact that the bill says, okay, now crack down on fentanyl. And the bill would give a legal status to Afghan nationals, Afghanis who evacuated, came to the United States, who probably a lot of, uh, you know, Taliban and al-Qaeda terrorists were embedded within them. This would give them legal status. So that's another uh, disgraceful part of this bill that nobody seems to be talking about, is that it would legalize all the Afghani nationals who came after the the, the Biden-Afghanistan debacle Pull out. All right. So here. So let's get into some more details of this bill. Like I said, daily average of migrants reaches four thousand. DHS would have the authority to close the border. Five thousand. They'd be required to close the border. That allows in two million illegals a, a year. That's insane. And by the way, the border would remain closed until DHS regains the ability to process. They can open it back anytime they want. So even if they close it down, they can just go go and open it again. There's no official rule there for when you reopen it. Um, illegals who attempted to cross the border two times while it's closed will be banned from entering the U.S. For, for, for a year. They're already banned. They're already banned, but they're coming anyway. It's already illegal for them to come in. That's why we call them illegals. Um, it would require the, the, the supervision of all migrants processed at the border. So, okay, they're going to supervise migrants. They could do that now. Why are they not already supervising migrants? Because they can't. They just simply can't. They're just... They're, it's an overwhelming number. They can't possibly keep track of all these illegals that they just released into the country. So they say it would eliminate the court backlog of asylum hearings because there'd be a specialized um, group of officers uh, who would be processing the asylum claims within six months. Again, why have they not done it? Because they don't want to do it. And this would codify the right to counsel. Get this. This law would allow the right to counsel. This law means that taxpayers, our tax dollars, would go to fund lawyers to coach the asylum seekers. So that that now is another thing that, that that the Democrats are desperate for is that we have to now pay for the uh, 
pay, pay, pay for the lawyers who are going to coach the asylum seekers what to say. And what's incredible is that, you know, they're, they're, what they're saying is one of the things they're saying is that they're going to have a higher standard that, that in order, which again, something they could do without this legislation. But the, in order to process asylum seekers, let them into the country, there's going to have to be more of a perceived threat in their homeland in order for them to be allowed to stay in. Well, here's the problem. Number one, you could do that already. But number two, that makes no difference. You're just going to coach them to say something different. It'll raise the initial screening standard for an asylum claim, require an asylum seeker to have a reasonable possibility of being persecuted or tortured. They make it up. These people, they're not they're not refugees. They're not legally entitled to any sort of asylum. But what happens? You have some immigration coach at the border who's telling them what to say. They know what to say. I have There's a reasonable possibility. I'm in danger of persecution in my homeland, yada, yada. They're just going to coach them. They're, oh, we're going to raise the bar now. They're going to have to have a higher. Nobody goes and checks. Nobody investigates each of these people. There's, there's thousands a day. So all they do is they just say the right words and then they do the stamp. Of, all right, let them in. So they're just going to teach them to say different words. It's absurd. It's an absurd bill where they're just they're doing things they could be doing anyway. And then they're coming up with solutions that are bogus and they're getting money for to, to, so that the government actually pays for these people instead of George Soros. It's going to allow work authorizations for migrants, migrants who are allowed in uh, uh, under the expedited asylum process. This is the key to the bill. This is the key, folks. Nobody's talking about this for a reason. It gives automatic, immediate work permits. Any asylum seeker, they're going to they're gonna accelerate. So assuming they really do it, it's going to be a six-month asylum process. And then congratulations, you're, an asylum, you're granted asylum, come into the country, and you get a work permit. And that's what this is all about, is that Biden is desperate because these, asylums come, these asylum seekers are in the country illegally, for, for years waiting for their 2031 um, hearing. <clears throat> and in the meantime, they're not allowed to work. So this is going to this bill legally entitles them to work after a few months and it's going to expedite and pay for the expediting of their of, of the hearing of the asylum hearing. So that's what it's about. It's not about fewer migrants. It's about more migrants, but it's about giving them legal status and giving them work permits. All right. So speaking of Sunday, getting back to Sunday interviews. So it's a disaster. This bill's a disaster. And that's why it's not going to pass the House. And now, of course, they're blaming Trump. Oh, this is Trump's fault. Now Biden and the Democrats are going to keep saying the rest of the year till, till Election Day. We tried to fix the border, but all these Republicans, they're so terrified of Trump. Trump said, don't fix the border because Trump doesn't want us to fix the border. That's the rhetoric. As though Trump is, it, it, it's unbelievable. And, and, and some people fall for this. As though Trump somehow is the reason, hasn't been in office in years, Trump's the reason for the border mess. Even though Trump solved the border mess and then Biden went and reversed Trump's policies. It's, it, it's, it's like surreal. It's, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's so twisted. All right. Uh, Senator J.D. Vance was interviewed by George Stephanopoulos. Um, and by the way, George Stephanopoulos shut, shut, him, sh- sh- shut him down. At one point, they, he cut the interview short uh, because J.D. Vance was essentially saying that Trump could defy the courts. If the courts tell Trump to do something that's not within his military power, Trump could defy the Supreme Court. And J.D. Vance is a very knowledgeable person, and he actually brought precedents, including from Abe Lincoln, who defied the uh, the Supreme Court. And uh, Stephanopoulos on, on ABC got all upset, and they basically shut the, you know, uh, ended the interview abruptly as Vance was still trying to talk. But either way, Stephanopoulos thought he had a gotcha question. He said, listen, you were opposed to Trump in 2016 and now you're supporting Trump. What changed? And he thought he caught him. And J.D. Vance said, very simple. He said, well, Trump proved me wrong. He said, look how successful that was 2016. We didn't know what we were getting. And he said, I was wrong. And he admitted he was wrong and he owned up to it. Give him credit for that. He put his ego aside. But he said, look at Trump for four years. He was incredibly successful and he governed with incredibly conservative principles. 
and he did. He accomplished so much, and he had no problem. Stephanopoulos sat there, thought, oh, I got him in a trap. See that? Because you're never allowed to change your opinion. That's what these people believe, is that you can't evolve and say, listen. And I'm not talking about just flip-flopping and, you know, the, 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 the polls have changed, so now let me change my viewpoints. He was saying, listen, I, I didn't know what Trump was going to do. Nobody knew. He had no track record. Look what he did. I, I'm able to look back <clears throat> and be big enough to say, I made a mistake. I was wrong. I'm not even sure if you call it a mistake, but this was my analysis. And now uh, Trump actually disproved me. So give him credit for that. All right. The Bo- Boeing. We, yet, yet, yet a new set of problems for the Boeing 737 MAX. Uh, it has hit another hiccup. I mean, these are not hiccups. <laughs> this is just these planes are just total, total duds. They are lemons. These planes, I understand it would cost Boeing a fortune. But these and they're protected by the politicians, but these they they should just completely, completely get rid of. They should just recall all these planes. And the 737 Max is just one disaster after the next. So a Boeing employee found improperly drilled holes on the jet's fuselage, according to The Wall Street Journal. Now Boeing is being forced to rework at least 50 737 Max jets that are still under construction construction. But listen to this. They're still being manufactured. Listen to this. Uh, the, the, there are already 737 MAX planes that are, that, that are in the air, that are being used. Those can continue to operate, but the new ones that are under, and they seem to have the same flaw with the, with the improperly drilled holes, but that's okay. We'll leave those intact, but the ones that are still being produced at the plant, well, that we're going to halt that, and those are going to be delayed. The, the, like, explain that to me. Why can the ones that are already being used, and we know the answer, continue to be used, but the other ones are going to be fixed, and that's going to cause a delay? It's just to come on. I don't know. Uh, let's 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 do the math here. Uh, Boeing commercial Boeing President Stan Deal in a memo to employees said, "This is the only course of action given our commitment to deliver perfect airplanes every time." That's the memo to his employees. We're committed to delivering perfect airplanes every time. Well, you could have fooled us. I don't know. Boeing 737 Max doesn't sound like you're very committed to delivering perfect down. It sounds like every time you get caught um, with another uh, production glitch, then you suddenly become committed to safety. Elon Musk. Elon Musk is discovering a lot of things that we have known for years. He says that the reason that we said this years ago, and I got flagged for this. He says that the reason that Biden has opened, he, he tweeted this, has opened the border floodgates is so the Democrats can stay in power. He said, he said, bet you didn't know. This is in the bet you didn't know category. This is a quote. This is a tweet from Elon Musk. He said, quote, uh, Secretary Mayorkas issued written guidance, making it clear that one illegal presence alone is not grounds for deportation Two criminal charges, convictions or gang membership alone is not enough grounds for deportation. So this is Musk talking. Elon Musk, he says, you basically have to be a convicted axe murderer to be deported. And that is because every deportation is a lost vote. So Elon Musk is saying what we said seven years ago, that the Democrats are allowing open borders. They want open borders because they want Democrat voters, plain and simple. Elon Musk, he's not even conservative, but they drive these people to conservatism because they realize all the, 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 the they realize how, 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 the, how ludicrous and how insane the left is. Elon Musk, quote, most people in America do not know the census. Now, the census, this is the other big uh, tweet from Elon Musk, is about the census. And we have so much more to get. I just don't think we have the time. But, uh, you know, Elon Musk tweeting about how the census is designed to give states, to reward states that have the largest number of illegals. And again, we if Trump fought this and he and, and he was defeated again and again and they called him a racist. He, Elon Musk, by the way, Elon Musk is an immigrant and he's pro-immigration and I'm pro-immigration. I'm pro-legal immigration. 
So Musk says, quote, most people in America do not know the census is based on a simple headcount of people, including illegals, not just legal citizens, but including illegals. This shifts the political power and money to states and districts with the highest number of illegals. Remember, remember Trump, he tried to include one simple question on the census. Remember, are you a U.S. citizen? Trump said the census should ask. He didn't even say not to count illegals. He said, we've got to ask this question. Are you a U.S. citizen? Trump was accused. They would call him every name in the book. He was a racist. He was a xenophobe. He was this horrible person. And his own cabinet members rebelled. How could Trump do that? How can you ask people if they're, if you're, if they're a U.S. citizen? And Trump, he's trying to get people to, to, to deter people. Deter. He doesn't want legal people who are, are worried about being deported. He doesn't want them to answer the census, to respond to the census. Trump was somehow conspiring to, you know, to hurt uh, California and, and New York. Yeah, he was trying to get them the money they don't deserve because we count illegals. And eventually the courts, I think, forced that Trump had actually removed that question from the census. Well, now Elon Musk has woken up and, uh, you know, came to the realization of exactly what's going on, exactly what we've been saying for years, exactly why we need Trump back in office. <laughs> it's all right. That's going to do it on this very, very busy Tuesday. And we will see you next time.